Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Author Julie Murphy lives in North Texas with her husband who loves her, her dog who adores her, and her cats who tolerate her. After several wonderful years in library world, Julie now writes full-time. When she's not writing or reliving her reference desk glory days, she can be found watching made-for-TV movies, hunting for the perfect slice of cheese pizza, and planning her next great travel adventure. She's also the number one New York Times bestseller author of novels for young people, including Dumplin', now a film on Netflix, Puddin', Ramona Blue, Faith Taking Flight, Side Effects May Vary, and Dear Sweet Pea. If This You Fits is the first title in the new adult series meant to be, books designed to reimagine some of Disney's best-known narrative works by publishing new versions written by diverse talent. As of August 3rd, If This You Fits was chosen as one of the best books of August by Apple Books. Book drops on August 3rd, 2021. And welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I am super excited because this episode is something a little bit different. My guest today is a best-selling author and her name is Julie Murphy and she wrote a book called If the Shoe Fits. Welcome Julie to the show. Thanks for having me, Heather. This is exciting. <laughs> yes, I'm super excited to have you. Um, I always do an icebreaker before we ch- before we kind of dive in. And so my my question for you is, uh, what is your favorite cookie or cookie memory? Ooh, okay. My favorite cookie, I think I'm really classic. Would have to be like a chocolate chip cookie. But I also love like cookies, like a s'more cookie, um, anything that like uh, plays on that with like marshmallow makes it a little bit gooier. (laughs) Uh, And my favorite cookie memory would probably be having to make uh, or getting to make inappropriate Christmas cookies with my mom every year. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that a little bit? (laughs) Um, Well, we always uh, we always like to make. our own little like uh, pop culture type of like manger scene with cookies. So whatever the, whatever the moment is in time, there's, we've done uh, some pretty funny political ones and uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, tiger King ones, things like that. <laughs> so it's still a tradition that runs pretty solid now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's super fun. Hey, that's cool. Awesome. Well, Let's chat a little bit more about your book, If the Shoe Fits. Um, And you're also in in Texas. We had this discussion before. Uh, So a fellow Texan here, are you from there originally? I'm actually originally from Connecticut, but I've lived most of my adult life somewhere along the I-35 corridor uh, and a lot of my childhood too. I started out in San Antonio and have spent a lot of time up here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Very cool. Well, it's always fun to interview a fellow Texan, I feel. Yeah, I know. I love it. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and kind of, a, you know, some background for you uh, to give the audience, you know, a little bit of you? For sure. So uh, If the Shoe Fits is the first in a new line of books from Disney focused on adult readers. Uh, and it's uh, reimagining their, what they're planning on doing is 
each book will reimagine a different princess in you know set in like a modern day rom-com and so i am the first author out of the gate and i had my first pick of princesses which was pretty cool and i chose cinderella uh you know she was not the first disney princess but she was my first disney princess so it felt you know pretty relevant to me and so in in our version of cinderella the main character's name is cindy she is a recently graduated fashion school student she is a young plus size woman in her early 20s and she is feeling pretty aimless as most of us do after college and she finds herself as a contestant on a reality television dating show and you know she just might have the chance to have her own happily ever after with her own prince charming on reality tv which you know what's more 2021 than that <laughs> right right oh my gosh the, the spin on it is awesome and i also that's one of my favorites i think i probably would have picked her too yeah uh, and the fact that you got to pick is that's really special especially the first one right it's so cool yeah disney really wanted uh for authors to really connect or have like a you know, some childhood connection with each princess that they chose to really have a reason for picking that specific princess so i was pretty adamant that that mine be cinderella <laughs> and how long did it take you to conceptualize the the storyline in a you know a modern feel you know this series has been in the works for uh years now actually it was just a matter of uh waiting until disney was ready to launch it and also waiting until i had time to write it so it really had a long time to cook i think the thing that we knew right out of the gate is that it would be set on a reality television show it felt like a really good uh sort of stand-in for like the iconic cinderella ball that we you know all remember from the animated version uh and also you know the con she has actual stepsisters in the book but the contestants would really make a you know be a good illustration of stepsisters and all of that so yeah it felt uh that felt pretty natural actually that's great i mean i've always been fascinated with the process of writing a book and so just <laughs> some comes easy some some like writer's block you know you know every book is different every book is its own beast yeah i bet oh my gosh well at least you have some direction here too because it sounds yeah. like disney was putting that in motion for you so you have already like a good plan yeah yeah they definitely uh it was definitely a really fun partnership so awesome well i <laughs> i hope that uh the listeners go and and grab themselves a copy uh so what can fairy tales teach us about life in general and why was the cinderella tale so compelling to you as not just a writer but also personally like do you have maybe any um you know, personal experiences as a kid when it comes to Cinderella? Yeah, you know, I remember watching Cinderella in my grandmother's living room, like sitting too close to the TV and her yelling at me that I was going to go blind <laughs> and like obsessing over every little detail. Um, I remember like, gosh, I can't remember what they're called, but like, it's not like, it, it's like the, the little loose strap inside your dress to hang it on a hanger. Oh yeah, like, you know, the, like, the, I would like rip the plastic. Those, yeah, loop, I things. would rip those out of her dresses because they back. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them are plastic now. But yeah. back then they were like black ribbon, and I would rip those out of her dresses and like make my own black Cinderella choker <laughs> out of them. And she was always so <laughs> mad at me, or you know, like trying to like find like an errant like black bra strap somewhere in the house to make my own Cinderella choker. So I mean, so creative. I, there definitely, yeah, there were definitely like a lot of childhood Cinderella moments, and two like. 
it was really important to me to get to do this and for Cinderella to be very specifically plus size because I was always a chubby kid. I turned into a chubby teenager, turned into a chubby adult. And for so long, I was, I thought that like one day I would like take the magic pill. I would do the magic thing and I would lose weight and I'd become the person I was always meant to be. But really I am the person I was always meant to be. And it took me a while to figure that out and to realize that like, why am I waiting to be someone else before I start pursuing my dream career and, you know, going after people who I want to spend time with or, you know, be in a relationship with, like, what am I waiting for? Because we only have this very moment guaranteed. And so getting to create a plus size Cinderella was really like an ode to, you know, my childhood self and my adult self, um, because it would have meant so much to me to see a princess who looked like me, to see, you know, someone who was the star of the show, who was going on adventures or, you know, falling in love. Like we always say in publishing that if you can't see it, you can't be it. And so how do you know that you can do all of those incredible things if all the stories we're fed our whole lives don't tell us that we can do those incredible things? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that that's becoming more and more common now is wanting to see yourself in whatever it is you're doing, whether that be watching a movie, reading a book, or, you know, even just in your group of friends. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. that. That's amazing. And so can you describe your transition from writing for younger readers to writing a rom-com for an adult audience? And yeah. were there some challenges that came with that? It was definitely different. I've had my, um, my eye on and like the adult space for a little while. I've been hoping to write a book for adults and this felt like a really good stepping stone because it's definitely, um, it's definitely something that's like a little bit, a little bit more tame in the romance space. I mean, all love to Disney, but it is a Disney book. And so right. there's a brand to maintain. So you're not going to get like, you know, a raunchy Cinderella scene. Like a 50 shades like of sitting like Cindy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's, there's like something to maintain when it comes to that. Um, so it was a nice stepping stone for me because not only was it sort of easing me into this space, but it was also easing my readers into it. I have a lot of teen and young adult readers, but I also have a lot of like grown women readers who just really love young adult books. So it's definitely like a closed doors romance, a little bit uh, lower on the heat level, but I found it really exciting. I kind of had to break myself of a lot of habits as I was writing because, you know, I think back to like when cell phones became more of a thing and people really started using them more actively, that really changed things for writers. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but like TV writers, movie writers, book writers all had to rethink like so many plot holes that they would suddenly have because of everyone has a cell phone. So, you know, that's sort of how it worked when I transitioned from young adult to adult books is like, suddenly the main character is the adult in the room. Suddenly they're in charge of their own lives. Like, you know, if they get in trouble, it's just like, you know, getting in trouble at work. Like, what do you, is your boss going to follow you home and like ground you? No. no. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, getting your first apartment without any adults, just getting to like let loose a little bit. <laughs> oh, wow. What a, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Do, did you feel like you had more of an adult audience or you gained and picked up a lot of speed in that area after your uh, Dumplin' book got picked up by Netflix and 
really introduced that into more of an adult setting? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, like I, I really can't like fully explain like how active adult readers are in young adult. It's, I mean, I would say like 60% of my readers are already adult, but it really, um, like the adult readers that are like a little bit more like snootier kind of about reading like a young adult or a kid's book were definitely felt sort of like more legitimized in reading my book after it became a Netflix movie. Like it was like, Oh, well it's a movie. So right. I can read the novelized version of it. Uh, so I definitely saw a pickup in, in readers there. And then, you know, I, some of my very best friends are already romance writers. So before pandemic times, I spent a lot of time traveling around with them. And so we would, you know, do a lot of book events together. And so I already have quite an overlap of adult and young adult readers, but it was definitely a difference after the movie. Yeah. I can imagine just because if you weren't familiar with your work and then that happens, of course, it's like, well, it's gotta be something special because it's a movie with big movie stars and blah, 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 you know, (laughs) you would hope so. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's the goal. (laughs) And so aside from the contemporary setting of what, like what sets Cindy in this book apart and how is she fundamentally different from the classic fairy tale princess? I know we touched on reality TV and the whole um, environment and background, but, and you, you know, more modernized. So can you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, in this version of Cinderella, Cindy definitely has a lot more agency. Um, She is really uh, got a wonderful sense of humor. That's kind of like a little bit more biting than you would expect expect from a a Disney princess. Um, The there's a stepmother, of course, but she's not the evil stepmother you would expect. She's sort of more like a a devil wears Prada type of stepmother, you know what oh, I mean? Like nice. she's, yeah. <laughs> she's a little icy, but she's also like, you know, at the, she's a reality television producer. So that's the connection there with the TV show. And so she's, she's gotta be a little icy to survive in a career like that and really make a name for herself. And so she had, she and the main character have a good relationship, but at the same time, it's a little fraught and it's a little tense. Um, but she's uh really fierce and kind of like uh feared in a good way in her industry um and then you know there are the stepsisters uh who she actually does have uh and they're they're i wouldn't call them like you know evil stepsisters but they're they're a little ditzy in the same way that like the original stepsisters were so there's some nods in there um there is a (laughs) there's a junior producer on the show that is really Cindy's godmother, though there's a few different characters that could be her godmother. Um, but she's the one who I really had my eye on, who was her godmother. And she's sort of like a like a gruff, like like a uh, queer producer who just wants to go home and like live a happy life with her girlfriend and cats. Uh, but is also <laughs> really rooting for Cindy because if if a plus size woman like Cindy could win a reality dating television show, that really opens the road for even more types of people to get on things like that and for it to become even more normalized. So were you pulling more from pop culture, like probably, I don't know, Bachelor, Bachelorette, or also some other, you know, how Disney's doing the villains series and they're bringing a different light into them. Are you pulling different personalities from that since it was also a Disney project? Uh, no, I mean, I definitely think that like there, I will always like everything I come into contact with will end up in 
a book at some point in time, like little bits and pieces of it, but there's never like one whole thing that I just totally take and put into a book. Um, but I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm a bachelor fan. I'm a love Island fan, which is so great. (laughs) and ridiculous. I just watched that for the first time last week. And I was like, where has this been all of my life? Like, where have I not seen this before? <laughs> Did you see the British version or the American version? The, the American version. Oh my gosh. You have to go back and watch some of the British versions. Cause okay. they're just, and you also like, you have to watch them with the captions on because it's such like, like thick Cockney accents and so many of them. But, uh, so like shows like that, I definitely pulled from when I was, uh, I was definitely inspired by, but none of it comes like whole, you know what I mean? Right, it's all right. pieces. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to go check that one out. I'll make sure. Cause it was <laughs> just fascinating to me that yeah. this was a show and I, I like anyone can make a show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I want to tap in more about like body image and positivity a little bit more and how they're important themes of retelling this story. And it's, it's so meaningful to you to reimagine Cinderella as a plus size woman. And so what are your hopes for that, uh, for, for your readers? I mean, I think that when it comes to anything I publish, I always have two primary hopes slash goals. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I want this to be like evidence to other, other women that like, you can go out and do the big scary thing. You can go out and even if it's just like wearing a swimsuit to the beach or if it's going on like, you know, a trip across the globe or if it's going on the date that you're terrified to go on or getting on a dating app or whatever the scary thing is for you, you can do it. You can be it. Um, There's no size limit on life. You know what I mean? Like, like I said earlier, like you've got just the one body and you don't know how long you're here for. So just, just do the dang thing, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this is more of like a professional goal for me, like a publishing minded goal, but I didn't get to see stories like this growing up. Anytime I saw a story like this, the fat character, and I know a lot of people probably cringe at the word fat. I use the word fat. I think that it's been a slur for so long. It's been a negative word that has been weaponized against me and people like me. And I decided to take back that word because there's nothing wrong with just the word fat. It's only when you start using it in like a negative connotation, you know? So anyhow, um, it, I never got to see other fat characters uh, who weren't like, you know, the funny fat best friend, or they didn't ha- they had to like lose weight to redeem themselves in the end, or, uh, you know, they were the villain, which is sometimes fabulous. I'm like a diehard Ursula fan. Oh my gosh. Wrong. I was just about to say, I get <laughs> Ursula vibe just, just right here. Yeah. Right. Big, Especially big with, Ursula the, fan. With, with the, uh, with the headband too, that you're wearing right now. I was like, oh yeah. Oh, uh, my was... nieces gave it to me because they wanted to get me a blue Cinderella headband. So I love it. I was very honored. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big Ursula fan. When they first approached me that, about this, I was like, are you sure you don't just want it to be a book about Ursula? Yeah. Cause I could do that too. <laughs> it's a spinoff. But, a spinoff. Yeah. I, I smell, yeah. I smell spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyhow, it's because I, I never, those were so lacking from my childhood. It's so important to me that my books just widen the path and make room for more and more authors and creators to make things like this. Like 
if ever I hear an author say like, oh, I was so inspired by Dumplin or like, you know, I read Dumplin and it, it, you know, it empowered me to write this or to create this, like that is so meaningful to me. Awesome. Yeah. And you want to take that power back and give it, you know, it, when you are a public figure, like you are, and you have that platform and you're utilizing it for positivity and changing lives, it's inspirational. And oh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I still have to change my cat's litter box like everybody else. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all, we all have to pull our pants on one, right. one leg at a time. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess the last uh, question that I want to ask is what inspired you to become an author? Yeah. So this is going to go back to college for me. Uh, growing up, I, I liked reading. Okay. I mean, I, I feel like I jumped from like babysitters club to like Stephen King in like six months. <laughs> like it was all of a sudden like drastic. Yeah. Ooh. It was super pure and wholesome. And then like, my cat's going to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> you know what like I mean? Pet cemetery, like yeah, hardcore. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, you know, around middle school, I just dropped off completely when it came to reading. I barely graduated high school and it was because I hated my English class so much. I just dreaded it. Reading and writing felt like homework. There was nothing fun about it. It didn't help that they only made us read books written and about old white guys. Like, just, it just wasn't interesting. It wasn't exciting to me. And so when I got into college, I majored in political science and I really loved, you know, what I was doing and what I was majoring in. But, uh, my senior year, I was starting to have like this identity crisis and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I started reading this book that (laughs) you might've heard of. It's a little book called twilight (laughs) (laughs) that I became like wildly obsessed with. Um, I made my boyfriend at the time now husband read them too. Cause I was like, they'll make you a better person. Oh my gosh. I know I'm ridiculous. Um, and I know that the twilight series gets a lot of flack from a lot of people. I mean, it's a book about a sparkling vampire. So I will fully admit that. But it's also the first book that made reading and writing feel like tangible to me. It made it feel like approachable. It made writing feel like something I could do. Um, And this isn't a knock on Stephanie Meyer in any way. I have like the utmost respect for her, but I just figured that if like millions of people around the world wanted to read this book about a sparkling vampire, like maybe I could write something that like at least one or two people would want to read. Um, and so that's where it was really born out of. So I really owe my whole career to twilight. And now that it's back on Netflix and people are obsessed with it, I'm like, you guys don't even know, you don't even know what it's like to have to sit in a movie theater and wait till midnight to see your movie, but you can watch it anytime you want on Netflix. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Well, and you know, if you say it gets a lot of flack, I mean, it's wildly successful. I mean, they made every single book with, and it made it made a lot of, uh, movie careers. It made yeah. her career. I mean, honestly, so yeah. don't knock it. I mean, all money spends the same people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's an audience for everyone. There's always someone out there for you. And so you're just right. finding your tribe, finding right. your people. Do you, are there nicknames for any of your, you know, everyone like that's the way that pop culture is right now. They, they blend names together and they have like, I don't know, like whatever, like 
Bella Army. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I'm just spitting something out off the top of my head. I think it's from WWE. Um, <laughs> do you have, <laughs> do you have like a name that's been coined for your people? For my people? <laughs> um, I, my newsletter is called Peachy Keen and sometimes I hear folks refer to themselves as peaches. Uh, So that's pretty cute. Um, Or, you know, a lot of people will just be like, I'm a dumpling. I'm a total dumpling. So that's so fun. That must be really rewarding for you too to have your, you know, them identify that way. I know. I feel like I really need to like formalize it now and come up with like a really like, like, this is what we are. This is Dumplin' Army or this is <laughs> Peach right. Army. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta come up with it. Like, you know, that maybe this will inspire you to think of something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something a little more solid. <laughs> right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show and share the book with uh, my, my listeners and where can our listeners find the book and more um, of you so they can follow your journey and see what yeah. else you've got coming up in the future. Uh, you can find me on my website. I'm juliemurphy.com. Uh, I am more readily available on sometimes Twitter, but mostly Instagram as a, uh, and I'm Julie. Awesome. Well, for my listeners, go and follow her and go pick up this book. If the shoe fits, it's a fantastic novel and it's, you know, modern day Cinderella and who doesn't love a good fairy tale. And thank you so much. And you guys can find all that information on the show notes. And I really, again, thank you so much, Julie, for being here today. Thanks. This was so fun. (laughs) Great. Well, thanks everyone. And till next time, I'll catch you on the next episode of the Chaos Cookies Podcast. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.